Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Dr. Psych Mom Show. I am Dr. Samantha Rodman-Whiten. I am a clinician in private practice. I do all teletherapy, and it is my passion to help people understand themselves a lot better so that they could have more fulfilling lives. And one group of people that finds it particularly hard to really kind of understand how to to live in the most fulfilling and healthy ways is what I call the group of adult children of dysfunctional families. So people have heard of adult children of alcoholics, but this is really adult children of any sort of dysfunctional family, which can include parents who struggled with anxiety, depression, personality disorders of any sort, narcissism, borderline, uh, hoarders, people who struggled with bipolar, substance abuse, or people who are just very unhappy, uh, unhappily married, constant marital conflict, any sort of abuse, including emotional abuse going on toward anybody, parentified children, which means when the children, when the child has to act like a parent to the parent. So anyhow, any uh, children that were raised in these sorts of environments, when they grow up, they frequently do not understand a lot about how to be quote unquote normal. A lot of things that seem second nature to people who grew up in healthier families do not feel second nature. They feel like you are trying to um, speak in a different language without having had any lessons. So today I am going to expand on my post, which is titled 12 Things That People Who Grew Up in Dysfunctional Families Don't Understand. This is a post on DrPsychMom.com, but I'll get into the categories in a little bit more depth here. So the first one I already touched on, what is normal? Adult children of dysfunctional families don't really know what normal is. In session, as people get more and more comfortable with me as their therapist, you know, it takes a little while for people to warm up, they'll say, this sounds really stupid, but I don't really know. Then they'll say some example of something like, I don't really know how long a visit is supposed to last from a friend. Well, they really don't know. And on top of that, they feel a lot of shame for not knowing. So it seems like something everybody else knows automatically. But if you've lived in a house with a depressed parent that never entertained at all, and you had no friends come over because it would be embarrassing, well, then you don't really know. You know how long you're supposed to host somebody for in your house. You can guess from observing other people or watching TV, but you don't really know. So that's just one tiny little example of the constant fear that adult children of dysfunctional families have, which is I am doing things crazy. Everybody must be looking at me. I just seem very abnormal and I don't even know which of my behaviors makes me look so abnormal. I just kind of sense that I'm being looked at weird. Now, frequently, nobody's really looking at you weird. Sometimes they are a little bit because you do get something wrong. It's not the end of the world. That happens to everybody. But this is a constant fear of adult children of dysfunctional families, that they are just weird and abnormal and everyone can tell. Next is, what is it like to rely on family members? This one really is, is bewildering for adult children of dysfunctional families. People will say something like, I really want my mom there at the birth of my child. She's going to be so much help. And an adult child that doesn't get along with their mother for very solid reasons is going to think, my God, I would want nothing less. How harrowing an experience that would be to have my mother there at the birth. That would only make me feel more stressed and worse and more upset. 
similar with anything else, uh, any sort of emotional support. So uh, if you got fired, people who grew up in healthy families might call their parents. If you get fired and you grew up in a dysfunctional family, the last thing you want to do is call your parents. They're just going to make everything worse if you talk to them at all. Next is very important for any adult children who are trying to be parents, which is many of my clients, which is how do people really treat their children? How do you bond with children? It seems, again, like a, quote, stupid thing to think, to not know. It seems like it ought to be automatic. Well, why? Why should it really be automatic if nobody treated you that well? Or the ways that they treated you well were kind of weird and few and far between, and there was a lot of other crazy chaos going on in your house. So, again, people try to look at their friends, neighbors, possibly extended family, television is a big one, but they don't really viscerally, instinctively know how to really treat a child. And this is kind of terrifying. If you really want to be a parent, you have all the best intentions, but you don't know what nap time is or what maybe regular meals are or what it's like to be smiling around your child or to have friends visit, again, with the friends, which is a big one for for adult children of dysfunctional families, whose, many of whose parents had no friends, um, or, or anything else. How to make a little schedule or a routine. What is bedtime like? How does an adult child of an alcoholic know what a bedtime routine is? They never had one. The parent was asleep before then. So any of these questions about parenting, you, you can really work on these, by the way, pretty well in therapy in a very practical, pragmatic sense. But again, unfortunately, some people are embarrassed to even go to therapy because they think the therapist will look at them weird for not knowing these things. That is not true, by the way. That's just a fear and anxiety, but it isn't true. Therapists are non-judgmental and really want to help you with these sorts of things. But anyway, back to the list. What is it like to have parents involved with your kids? Or to have parents that you like when they're involved with your kids and you don't feel scared that somehow they're going to replicate some of the shit they did with you with your child. Now, many parents mellow and they don't act as crazy anymore, but... You're kind of always on guard. You're watching. And then there's some people who do not have their parents involved with their kids at all. And that's really sad because on Mother's Day, everybody's posting those pictures, you know, three generations of women. And you're like, "Uh, not for me. And that can be very upsetting. Next one is how do people pick a career? If nobody was really ever interested in you, you know, and nobody really asked about your hobbies or your thoughts or your uh, school work or really anything much, How are you really going to know what you're good at? You didn't get any sort of structure or guidance to figure it out. So a lot of people who grew up in more chaotic homes where there was more substance abuse or people who grew up in in poverty uh, combined with mental illness, there was really no space at all for anybody to think about how they were going to do educationally or to talk with them about career at all. Some people get lucky and they find some sort of a mentor. Some people just kind of coast along from job to job, falling into something or not. Next, this is again a big, big one for uh, therapy. What does a healthy romantic relationship look like? Many adult children of dysfunctional families have no idea because they saw either just complete silence and distance, lovelessness, sexlessness, or constant hysterical insanity where people were screaming at and threatening one another, throwing things, acting all sorts of dramatic, scaring the child and sometimes scaring them off of romantic relationships altogether. 
sometimes cultivating in the child a deep yearning for some fairy tale that would be very opposite to the crap that they're seeing day to day in their home. But they don't know what a healthy romantic relationship looks like, something that isn't a fairy tale, but it involves two flawed human beings that sometimes don't get along, but that isn't the end of the world. They still love each other and nobody throws anything, nobody's screaming, the kids aren't cowering, etc. It can be very hard to figure this out. Also, next, what are appropriate boundaries? Who knows? For an adult child of dysfunctional families, there were no boundaries frequently. A parent wanted to know every single thing that a child was thinking. A parent cried about their own romantic issues to the child. A parent was telling their sex life problems to the child. A child was cleaning up their parents' vomit. I mean, lots, lots of terrible stuff. So if you've never seen any boundaries modeled for you by parents, you really don't have any idea what sorts of boundaries you would set with anybody, from friends and coworkers to your own children. You don't know what oversharing is. You don't really know what, so frequently you err on the side of undersharing. You're so anxious, you don't want to come off crazy, so you don't know exactly what you're supposed to talk about. So this is a really big deal. What are boundaries? Or, like, can you ever say you don't want to do something? If in your family of origin you were never allowed to not want to do something, how can you say, oh, no, I'd rather go get Italian than Chinese? You, you don't know if you can. So frequently this ends up in people who are very codependent and they just do whatever their partner or friend or whoever wants to do because they don't really know that they can have boundaries. Oh, I like this, not that. I'd rather do this, not that. I'd rather stay home today, whatever it is. Next one related to the career one in more chaotic homes especially is how do you manage money? If money was a constant source of distress or conversely it was never ever spoken about, then you really have no idea what to do when you start earning any money. You don't know how to save, or you may hoard the money because you're so scared that you may end up in some sort of situation like your parents were always getting into. So, you, But you don't have a healthy relationship with money, and you don't really understand people that seem to find managing money easy or even fun or can look forward to, you know... Uh, saving up for an event or know what a retirement account is. These are things that many adult children of dysfunctional families have no idea about and sometimes don't know how to learn because, yet again, embarrassment. Nine, what does a normal house look like? This is really big. If a parent is depressed, if they're over-anxious, paranoid, if they are drunk, if they are using other substances, if there is constant conflict, if there's hoarding, I mean, you know, that one's pretty easy to understand. But in any of these situations, your house does not look normal. There's piles of stuff everywhere. There, you, you don't invite anybody in to fix it. Nobody knows how to fix anything that, that gets messed up or we don't let people do that or we don't have money to do that or we're moving so frequently that it doesn't matter or things just stay in boxes because nobody has the energy to unpack. Whatever it is, if you felt when you left your house and you go into other houses as a child, you were like, oh, shit, those other houses look a lot more like TV than my house. I didn't realize that was real, that houses look like that, like they do in the magazines, or that people don't have crap everywhere, you know, then you understand what, what I'm saying here. That is a real big source of humiliation for a lot of children in dysfunctional families is what does this house look like? Then when you get older, 
you don't have, again, any template to understand how to make the house look nice. So frequently, this is why I wrote a piece many years ago called Pinterest Can Be Healing for Adult Children of Dysfunctional Families. Because when you look through things like Pinterest, they give you step-by-steps and you're like, oh my God, I can actually make this house look normal, which is usually a major goal, especially for women that are trying to have, you know, be mothers that grew up in dysfunctional households. They want the house to look nice. They never want to replicate for the child any of the embarrassment that they felt themselves. I myself was in that bucket of people myself. I remember, especially as a young mother, it was a really big deal to have the house look nice and to have things always ready for people to come over because you don't want to look crazy, you know? This is a big worry. 10, what is self-care? Adult children of dysfunctional families are always asking me, wait, so people, what, when do you, you exercise? When do people exercise, though? And so, so you brush your, do you, so people brush their teeth twice a day. Uh, people eat three meals a day. Well, for me, it's like really hard. I just get up. I, I start working. By the time it's like one o'clock, I'm starving. So I just like eat whatever. And I didn't shower that day. But I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to remember. Now, to people that don't understand dysfunctional families, this sounds crazy. It sounds like get up, take your shower, and proceed with your day, brush your teeth, everything's fine. But if you didn't have any routines and you didn't have an adult who modeled any sort of self-care, then you don't know. It's not instinctive. You don't think, oh, I'm hungry. You don't, sometimes you don't even know when you're hungry until you're starving because nobody fed you at regular intervals. Now, there's all sorts of of severity, um, you know, there's differences on the spectrum of severity in terms of neglect in in adult children. But the ones that, the the homes where really they were quite neglected, you're talking about high-functioning adults that have no... um, no feeling internally, oh, I should get up, get dressed, brush my teeth, and then make coffee and food. They just don't have that. It doesn't go off in their head. So it can be very, very strange to, to, for them to understand that other people do this effortlessly because they were taught and prompted by the adults in their lives. Number 11, what is a healthy body image? Children who are abused, especially, I mean, they don't look at their body as, as anything some, as anything good. Sometimes they look at it as something terrible and bad and a source of shame. Sometimes they look at it as something ugly because it looks like one of the parents. If you grew up hearing your father call your mother a fat whatever, whatever, then you, if you look like your mother, man, what are you going to think about yourself? You're not going to be too hyped up about a body image uh, that looks like somebody that you saw get emotionally abused and insulted. Also, if you were sexually abused, then your body is a source of shame. So it doesn't have to always be like this. Now, everything that I'm saying, these, these cognitions, these thoughts and beliefs can certainly be changed. But I'm trying to explain so that people feel less alone when they have these beliefs how many adult children of dysfunctional families feel. But again, ther- therapy can help you. Therapy, reading, listening, everything can help you change these distorted beliefs. That's just a little aside. 12, how can I tell anyone about my childhood? This is the key question. You know, you think, my God, nobody will be friends with me if I tell them that I don't talk to my mother. Nobody will be friends with me if I say that my father is an alcoholic. All these other people have these perfect families and I'm going to seem like this freak. Well, I work with clients on this all the time. 
you know, and, and I worked with this in my, uh, what, late 20s with my own psychologist who said, people are not going to think anything bad about you if you share that you have conflict with your family, if you share that you do not talk to your parents as, as much as they do. They're not going to judge you for that. If they did, that would be their problem, you know? And it was true. There's never been anybody that I've said, no, I don't really talk to my parents, or it was really tough growing up, or whatever, that hasn't been nice. People just are nice about that. If they had good childhoods themselves, they feel bad, but they don't judge you for it. And if they have bad childhoods in any way, any sort of dysfunction, then they usually reach out with their own story. In fact, you wouldn't even know about... If you, have, if you have like 10 friends, probably two of them at least have some kind of crazy dysfunction in their family of origin. And you wouldn't even know unless you share your own because they are just as embarrassed as you. Now, I just made up those numbers off the top of my head. Depending what circles you run in, if you're, if you're a therapist, for example, probably a lot more of us have dysfunction in our families of origin, which led us into the profession. Because you can understand, you can deeply, viscerally understand others that are suffering in the same ways. So if you're a therapist, probably five out of ten of your friends have deep family dysfunction or more, maybe all ten. So anyhow, that are, those are the 12 things that I cover in my post, 12 things that people who grew up in dysfunctional families don't understand. And these things can really plague you to the point that you feel like such a freak and like you're on the outside looking in, everybody else has these perfect families and that you don't know how to do anything normal, your childhood was a disaster, and now somehow you are going to make your kids into a disaster just by not knowing anything better. Now, nothing could be further than the truth. If you're listening to this podcast... Even that alone indicates that you have a massive curiosity about how to heal and grow and move beyond your family of origin issues. And it's easy, easy, easy to find a therapist, like it's kind of easy, I'm a therapist, there's psychologytoday.com as a therapist, I have a group practice of therapists, best life, behavioral health, you can find a therapist. And when I say it's easy, I mean it is easy to go to a therapist. It's hard to make the decision to reach out and to conquer your shame about needing to be somebody, about somebody who needs to go to therapy, about being that person, having that identity. But it's easy especially in the age of teletherapy, to go and start working on it. It is. It's easier than you think. You make the appointment with somebody that seems right and reasonable from their website, and everything's teletherapy now almost. And if you want in-person people do that, then you just reach out to them. And from there, it kind of is very simple. You just have to make the decision. And before you know it, you could be four weeks in to therapy. Like next month, you could be four weeks into therapy and know that you are tackling these issues that have made you feel so deeply ashamed and less than for your whole life. Wouldn't that be great? I am such a big proponent of therapy for adult children of dysfunctional families because it helps you normalize what you went through, validates your feelings of shame, and teaches you real-world skills where you can really just have somebody to ask, what is a normal amount of time for a visit? Or do you serve snacks at a visit? Or like really anything that you can think of. In the days of Google, you can Google some of those too, but it is nice to have a human being to ask that stuff to. And 
somebody to tell about all this crazy stuff that went on in your upbringing and to ask how it impacted you, to see how it is continuing to impact you day to day, and to break the cycle with parenting your own children so that they're never confused about any of these 12 things. Maybe you will since you're only human, you will do other things they don't love, but at least they will not have these particular large scale concerns. Then you will truly feel that you have broken the cycle and feel deeply proud of yourself. And therapy is really major with this. Also, some books to read, which I'll put in the description of this episode, Running on Empty by Jonas Webb is a really good one. And, well, I mean, I'll, I'll put a bunch, but Children of the Self-Absorbed, That's another good one. The Ghost in the House about maternal depression. I think that's enough for, you know, I mean, people can't read a million books, but I will, those three, those three are good ones. Okay, so hopefully you got a lot out of this podcast and I will welcome any sort of suggestions about topics that you'd like me to elaborate on and I hope you all have a great day. Bye-bye.